Today's Unseminary Resource is brought to you by Aware3. At Aware3, their goal is to help your church build connections using mobile technology. They help you extend church beyond Sunday mornings by putting it in the palm of everyone's hand. Learn more about how a custom mobile app can help you improve engagement, communication, and generosity at www.aware3.com. The number three dot com. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich, the host here. I'm just so glad that you've tuned in today. You know, I know there's a lot going on in your church. This is one of those really busy weeks, and uh, I'm just thankful that you've taken some time out, plug us in your earplugs, and your earbuds, not your earplugs. Uh, and, uh, you know, today's conversation is, is going to reward you for your time. Today, we've got Julie Lean with us from Eastside Church, a fantastic church in Anaheim, California. Uh, Julie is the Director of Volunteers there. Uh, this church, you may be familiar, we've we um, have had uh, some folks on in the past from there. Uh, they have two locations, one in California, uh, one in Minnesota, I think is where the other location is, right? <laughs> yeah. Which yes. is great. This is probably summertime's the time you want to be in Minnesota. You don't want to go there in the wintertime. Um, currently exactly. pastored by Gene Apple. It's a rather large church, about 5,000 people. So Julie, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Rich. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Why don't you tell us, kind of give us the flavor of Eastside and tell us about your role there. Okay. Well, Eastside has been in existence for about 50 years. I have literally grown up there at that church and was in, involved in volunteer roles and leadership for years there. Huh. And I, our current senior pastor, Gene Apple, came on staff about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And he and I went way back to when he interned at Eastside. Um, oh, in his college years, he lived with my family. And so it was just a great big homecoming when he came back, which yeah, was a lot of fun. Cool. And um, But I was always in a volunteer role and in leadership and in that capacity. And when he came on staff, after he'd been there a couple of years, and he really had changed the vision of Eastside mm. and the direction that we were headed, he really um, centralized our focus and, mm. and created our vision statement, our mission statement. And so we knew what we were about. We weren't about 100 things. We were now about three things mm-hmm. to really mobilize us forward. Mm. And about two years into his um, time with us, he and the executive team asked me to come on staff and added this role of vo- director of volunteers to mm, the staff. Okay, very cool. And um, and so that was new to me to become on church staff. I had always been in a volunteer role, so I think that's part of maybe why they asked me was because <laughs> I know the life of a volunteer yeah, absolutely. Uh, very well. So this is a new role to Eastside, and at the time we were very um, silo ministried Mm. as far as there was no standardized practice for how different departments went about recruiting volunteers, maintaining volunteers, onboarding volunteers, celebrating volunteers. Mm. Some departments Mm. were knocking it out of the park. Some departments were really struggling. There was a whole lot of inconsistencies and they just knew that this, for our church to grow, that it was going to be, the DNA of our volunteer culture needed to be Mm-hmm. changed mm-hmm. and enhanced and really um, solidified into something really electric, 
across campus, regardless of what department was happening, and that we knew that we need volunteers to be able to grow and take us into this future to kind of carry out Jean's vision for the church. So that's why they prioritize the role. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's natural. Um, it may not be good. Well, it's probably not good. This kind of siloing that can happen in ministry. By that we uh-huh. mean, you know, kind of each department is doing its own thing. And so you've yeah. got, you know, kids ministry. They're pretty convinced that the way they're doing it is right because they have to run people to, you know, you know, background checks. And then, you know, the folks in, you know, um, you know, groups ministry, they're, they're pretty fired up about the way they process volunteers because they want to, you know, dig deep into people's lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, then the music guys don't have any process, you know. That's just the kind of normal, that's normal, right? And that, right. I only say that because I, I can totally identify um, that is, you know, I think so many churches are in that boat. So how did you go about trying to tackle that uh, that issue? Well, I was very blessed with the leadership that brought me on because, mm. again, I was the greenest person on staff. I mean, right. I'd never done this church thing for a living. And the executive team brought me on. It was their vision. And when I speak to different people, churches or retreats or anything like that, I always talk about if you want to change your your volunteer culture, it has to start with changing your staff mm. culture. And it has to have a lot of vision that's coming down from the top, all the way from the executive leadership down, mm. that they are bought into this, this value of the church that it cannot function in a healthy way without a healthy church volunteer culture. Mm-hmm. And that won't happen on its own. Right. You know, it has right. to have some structure and organization to it. So the executive team worked directly with me um, at the very beginning when I was first onboarding. And then we then worked with their staff. So our senior minister was um, working with our, our staff to just be able to cast this vision that this role was coming on. We were going to create some new standards because we we're going to raise the bar about how we took care of volunteers and that it was going to rock in every department. Right. And it was going to, we were all going to be in unison with this thing. And we really started working on changing our staff culture mm. before we tried to influence our volunteer culture, which paved the way then for me to come in with some new processes and procedures. Right. If yeah. I came in with new processes and procedures, but nobody was catching the vision, right? right. I'm just pushing that rock up the hill by right. myself. Right, absolutely. So, um, so that was just a huge blessing to me that... I was onboarded in that way. And because um, uh, I work with lots of other really large churches and they don't even have this role. Right. So they're still very much silo ministry, right. which ends up being there. These departments are competing with each other for volunteers and the volunteers are growing fatigued hearing it, you know, come serve in my department. Yes. No, come serve in mine, you know. Yes. And it just gets exhausting. Absolutely. So. so well, I think I appreciate, you know, obviously, I think you're obviously underlining a super important point. It's got to start at the top. There has to be vision for it, um, which is a, a nice, humble way to say that, you know, to try to deflect some of the good things that have happened there. But you must have done something to try to help that in alignment. It's one thing to have kind of the big vision. What were right. you doing to kind of help the alignment sure. to actually move people towards that? Right. Well, one key um, thing that we did that was decided to create, to identify a person in each department, a staff person in each department that was responsible for the onboarding of volunteers Okay, great. and and the overall health of the volunteer culture within that department. Mm -hmm. So I created standards and each department, then I work with what we call that we call that role a volunteer champ. Yep. So every department has a volunteer champ. It's a staff person. I work with the volunteer champs then to say, okay, here's how we're going to follow up with volunteers. Mm -hmm. Here's how we're going to track them in um, in a database system. Here's mm-hmm. what our new standards are for, for you know, 
solving problems, adding new volunteer roles to different departments, those kinds of things. So I can highlight for you the different, the big things that we had to get in place, but the the thing that made it most successful was there was an identified staff right. person in each department to carry it out. And I had alignment with the executive staff. Right. You had a big and, stick. And, <laughs> and, and I had access to those volunteer champs. Right. So it takes a lot of coordination because there's really a dotted line from my role to, to their, their, from the directors mm -hmm. and then my role, I have a dotted line to their staff. Yes. So I have to work in a lot of coordination with them so we're not asking too much of that staff person at one time. Yes. Um, but it's worked beautifully to be able to make sure that the standards are delivered and I can maintain inspection of those what would you say your kind of you know orientation to you know those champions in that in those early phases was it more like hey let's collaborate together to find the best practices among our team and then we're going to align those things or was it kind of you've been charged to go and figure out what the you know the best idea right. was and bring it back how did you kind of position yourself Great question. It was the latter. Okay, it was great. it was me being charged by Gene. He resourced me with some other people in these roles at other churches to network with, and um, and bring back some of their best practices. But also the executive team member and I were all working together and coming up with our own ideas. So we mm -hmm. we worked together as a team. I did some research with and networking with other churches, and then came back with our best plan. Mm -hmm. And really, there were. Um, taking a peek at my notes. There were probably yeah. three or four things that we did. Yeah. We created a, a centralized system for volunteers, one place that they went to express their, to sign up to, to volunteer. Yeah, tell so us about did, that. What, what was, you know, if I'm at Eastside today and I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm sitting in your service, maybe I've, I've gone to First Step with Gene, uh, you know, I, I am kind of interested in the church. What would I, how, how do I express interest? What does that look like? For sure, my sure. Um, on a given weekend, you can just walk up to our information desk yep. and they'll take you to our website and sign you up for whatever department that you're interested in. So our webs website is one way to enter the portal. You walk up on the weekend to the information. They're going to go to our website to enter you into our portal. If we ever have any recruitments that are happening on campus, all that information goes into the portal. So there might be several different streams, mm -hmm. but they all go to the same place. Mm -hmm. And so we created one centralized way that we, we input the information into our system, and then it got distributed to the right departments. So you could come in this front door and say, everybody comes in the front door and then you tell us what room you want to go in, okay. right? You want to go to creative arts, you want to go to children's, you want to go to guest services, and then it goes directly there. Mm -hmm. And from there, then our vol those volunteer champs in those departments get notified yep. and they do the start their follow-up. And I've already trained them on what the follow-up standards are. So that's the second thing. We had to create a way for volunteers to get in, but didn't matter where they came from, they all came into the same place. Mm. Then the second was we had to create follow-up standards mm -hmm. for all the departments. How are we gonna follow up? So um, I can drill down into that if you want, but yeah. that was just mainly the, yeah, the next step. Was I'm, I'm sure every department follows up with everyone and every you know every person gets placed in, obviously mm -hmm. a little tongue in cheek. What happens if things, you know, if a volunteer falls through the cracks or does your, how does your system deal with kind of, um, you know, hey, this maybe this contact is going cold. It's been a while since we've talked to them. How are you? How are you? You know, tracking those kind of things. Right. Well, I inspect with my team everything that's happening on a weekly basis. Oh, wow. So that's a big part of it. Is so you're gathering with all those champions every week, or you're looking at a report and kind of. Talking I'm looking at a report and following okay. up with them, and then yep. we we gather with the champions. Um, 
sometimes monthly. And mm -hmm. I want to get back to that where we're aligning that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it was weekly, depending on if we had new things that we were implementing and, and we've got to train ourselves and get the practices going, we'd learn from each other. So, mm -hmm. um, but weekly we're running reports and monthly we're running reports. So we're inspecting what's happening. So we have a really good tracking system that allows us to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so then we, at any point in time, know where every individual volunteer that's coming into our system, what their status is. Mm -hmm. And so we've made really clear our standards to our volunteer champs that, you know, we're going to respond within, we give them 48 hours, but it's really 24 hours before that wow. first response goes out. We make three attempts to contact a volunteer before we consider them unresponsive. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, you know, just different things to do to be able to track it all. So that's the beauty of it is that it's very sustainable. But mm -hmm. if you don't inspect what you expect, forget it. Oh, preach it, sister. Happen. Come yeah. on, come on. <laughs> um, no, that's great. I want to underline for our listeners, that listen to what we're talking about here. Managing the data about your people is the beginning of a pastoral care process. When your church grows, you've Absolutely. got to manage that data very well and take care of it when someone expresses, when someone raises their hand and says, hey, I'm interested. Yeah. If we don't go out of our way to be proactive, to follow up within 24 to 48 hours, to jump on that and to say, hey, I'm going to try to keep the, you know, to close this, you know, issue. Um, that's how people fall through the cracks. That's how, you know, that's how a big church just feels like a big church, not a community. Yeah. Um, and so and I appreciate that. That's cool. Yeah. And sometimes people can think those processes and those details just are kind of dry. But I, mm. our experience has been right. quite the opposite, is right. that these are all these numbers represent people and they all have a story behind it. And so our volunteer champs are just passionate about what they're doing with getting these people connected. And if there's a glitch in the system, they're reporting it to me before I even notice it and those kinds of things because absolutely. they know it matters. Yeah, absolutely. What what database system are you using at the core You know, of your team? Church Community Builder. Church Community, CCB. Yeah, that's great. They're, yeah. a, they're a great provider. They do a great uh, great job for sure. All right, so yeah. that's kind of on the front end. That gives me a sense of, you know, gives us a sense of what's going on there. Sure. What else are you doing to kind of ensure alignment across the board, you know, to make sure that there's kind of common standards in the way people serve? In the way people serve. Or so once their, their roles, you know, do you have like job descriptions? Yes, we absolutely do. Yeah, we have job descriptions. Um, we take the time to make sure that they're, we're evaluating our roles um, on a regular basis, at least on an annual basis. And if anybody in any department is going to be adding a volunteer role or feels the need for it, they're going to have a conversation with me first because there's a whole lot of detailed things in our data process that have to be, you know, bases that have to be tagged. But mostly we got to make sure that there's a, a qualified leader for any new volunteer role. Right. And that's a big part of what we're looking at is because our model is we want it to be a big church to be a small church. Yes. And it, that happens with the right size, right size teams that are being led by a volunteer leader. Mm -hmm. And so one volunteer leader cannot adequately lead 300 people and have personal relationships and know where they are spiritually to be able to encourage them to a spiritual next step. So we're constantly watching that to make sure we've got qualified leaders, that they, they meet our qualifications for a leader because we look at them as spiritual leaders, not mm -hmm. just tactical leaders, mm -hmm. and um, and that they're well-trained and that then we've got everything in place so that they are going to have a successful experience leading their team of volunteers. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so I, I'm sure through this rollout, as you were kind of trying to break down the silos and get some alignment, you know, there was probably an area that, you know, took a little longer to kind of get on board. Um, how did you work with that? You, know, you don't need to name any names. You don't sure, need to out sure. anybody. Uh -huh. uh, but how did you kind of uh, bring that department along or bring those leaders along? What did you learn through that process? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it's just consistency. I kind of like a bad penny. I just keep showing up. I, I, you know, our friend Greg Curtis always says, yes. Julie, you are water and I am the Grand Canyon. And you are just going to wear <laughs> down a drip at a time. Like right. I just kept coming back and trying to build relationship and yep. lean into that. I would and keep reiterating things. A lot of times I felt for the, the staff people because there would be some confusion. They go, okay, who's my boss? Right. You're not my boss. My boss is over here telling me one thing, and then you're over here giving me directives. So we'd really, I'd really have to work with these, their boss and the executive director to make sure we had a clear picture that we weren't overwhelming the volunteer mm -hmm. champ, but that they were also that their executive director was also empowering me in a way that I couldn't do for myself without their voice in it to say no. We got to work together on this whole thing. This mm -hmm. is part of your job description, and Julie's just leading that piece of it. Yep. So. Um, yeah, yeah, that's where I dig into my relational skills. Yeah, and you've, what you're describing there, um, for folks that may not be familiar, is what's called a matrix organization, where you've got you know people that they really end up having kind of two supervisors. You've got your, in this particular area, they had their... Um, their direct, their their solid line, as it's sometimes you know referred to. But then you know you'll have folks like Julie that are dotted line that are, are kind of subject matter experts who are being charged by the organization to make a difference in this area across a wide variety of areas. And you know I just think it's it's been cool to kind of hear inside of that today. Is there anything else you want to share before we move on with the rest of our episode? Um, probably a couple things that I think are really important besides getting your you know your processes and procedures in line as far as creating a way that volunteers can sign up and creating standards for follow-up and tracking and evaluating your follow-up would be that um, how timely you follow up on volunteers is the number one impactor in growing your volunteer teams. Oh, say that again. I want people to hear leading in on this. This is important, people. How timely you follow up with your volunteers is probably the number one variable that impacts mm -hmm. the your the growing your volunteer teams. So true. If, what, how, how have you seen that work out in your ministry? Well, it's, you know, they just those leads just grow cold. If right. if someone's taken a step to be brave enough to step forward and say. I'd like to join a team mm -hmm. and then nobody responds to them. Mm -hmm. it, what are you, what are you going to feel from that? You're going right. to feel like I, I got, I got lost in this big, huge church. Mm -hmm. I'm not want, they really say one thing, but they mean another. They say they want you on their team, but they really don't want you on their team. Mm -hmm. I don't matter. All these kinds of things. Now that's where it goes back to the vision. Our executive team knew if we get a healthy church culture, I mean, a healthy volunteer culture going, we're going to grow our church. It's going to go all the way down to the dollars in the tithing bucket. Yep, totally. Yep. Because That's if they're invested and they're going to stay, you're more likely to give to what you're invested to. And it mm -hmm. just grows exponentially because of that. Mm -hmm. So how quickly you make that first phone call is the make or break. Right Absolutely. There. We've talked about internally at our church that we picture these kind of um, opportunities as we've just picked fruit off a tree and uh -huh. we've put it in a basket at the bottom of the tree. 
that uh-huh. fruit, if we leave it at the bottom of the tree, it will rot. It will go, yeah. you know. It, <laughs> That's a lovely word picture, yes. It, it tastes very good the moment you pick it off the tree. And there yeah. is a decay that happens over time. And, exactly. it, and you know, if if I like what you're saying, responding in 24, listen, if you could respond within 12, if you could Absolutely. respond, you know, even faster than that, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a great thing to, to leave people with today for sure. This is the Unseminary podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Uh, we're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where we ask uh, similar questions. Everybody that's on the show, super excited uh, for Jess, uh, Julie Lean to be on the show today. We had a great conversation uh, all, you know, today. This has been great. What's an online? resource that you're using that's helping you these days you oh come on i'm serious now i have to send you twenty dollars gosh <laughs> uh yeah it's you oh, i'm okay. fully enjoying your podcast and the different you know communications that you send out weekly and it's been very helpful well we're gonna move on uh what <laughs> book have you read in the last six months that's shaping your uh thinking or ministry um I've read The Power of Habit. Yes. Our, t- our team read that about six months ago, which was good. And mm. I'm currently reading Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley and just loving that. Yeah, I mean, great. you know how you just – there's not any terribly new concepts that are coming so f- as far as I'm in the book, but it just yes. breathes more life into what yes. I already know. It's inspiring. Yeah, definitely. Those both are, are must-read books for sure. I, yeah. The fir- I've said this in other contexts, but the first third of Deep and Wide – I think is oh, a must so read. Good. Um, so good. It's like you've got to read that. And then what happens if you and if you only if if you can only read the the first third, that's fine. But then what'll happen is you'll end up reading the whole book because oh, it totally. gets sucked it, in the first just, third. Yes. Yeah, Love, I'm loving that. That's where I am is is about a third of the way through right yeah, now. Yeah, it's so great. Um, if you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive, uh, who would you want to get that with and why? I would love to meet Pope Francis. Oh, nice. Yeah, very cool. Great I really leader. Yeah, because he's just, to me, just changing the face of Catholicism. I feel like he's just bringing the gospel to life in that and bringing that, using his platform to the world in just a really powerful way. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear, it's a very sweet, kind man, but the things he says are so wise and strategic. I just want to get behind the scenes and pick his brain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm sure trying to keep, you know, all the volunteer teams heading in the right direction takes a lot of time, effort, and energy. What do you do just to have fun, you know, and you're, you know, kick back, relax a little bit? What do, what do you do for fun, Julie? Right. Well, I'm an I'm a extrovert tr- through and through. So family and friends are my favorite way to be hanging out with, you know, adventuring. I love traveling. I love adventuring. Um, we love just, you know, Eating around here, Southern California has fabulous food. <laughs> nice. The beach is always a big part of things um, around cool. here because we're close to the beach. So that's a lovely way to relax and get away too. Cool. Well, Julie, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or with the church, how can they do that? Um, they can just email me directly if they want to, if they mm-hmm. have any questions. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm speaking at something coming up soon. So if they wanted information about volunteers and a lot more about this in detail. So if they were interested in something like that, I could get them information about that too. Cool. Great. And then it's eastside.com, right? It's eastside.com. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you being on the show today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Rich. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter.
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.